Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Negrutman. And my name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. And we've been talking all about holiness, and you, of course, should know all about holiness as Mr. Holy Spirit. Yes, that's me, Mr. Holy Spirit. Last time we talked about the connection between holiness and sexual propriety, but we didn't really define it. Or understand the connection necessarily between forbidden and illicit relations and holiness. What does one have to do with the other? What does one have to do with the other? We actually said last podcast, if you look at the mandates in Leviticus chapter 19, they have nothing to do with sexual behavior, or, or very few have to deal with sexual behavior. And I think a lot of people listening will say, well, it's obvious. If you're a sexually good person, you're holy. But we're trying to understand the Bible properly and exactly. As they say in Hebrew, David, miduyak, with an exact with an type exact, of understanding. Correct. Just saying, well, being sexually pure is holy isn't going to cut it. We have to have a more exact and specific definition. So let's look at the Bible in chapter 18 of the book of Leviticus, the introduction to the whole illicit relations, the new revolutionary sexual code of conduct. And this is the first place it appears. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. Do not follow the practice of the land of Egypt where you live, and do not follow the practice of the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you, and do not follow their laws. You shall fulfill my judicial decisions and observe my statutes to follow them. I am the Lord your God. You shall observe my statutes, my judicial decisions, for if a man fulfills them, he will live through them. I am the Lord. And then it outlines all the type of relationships you can't have sexual encounters with. It puts into the context of Canaanite and Egyptian practices. Egypt, the place from which we left, and Canaan, the place to which we're going. That's what it would seem from a peripheral reading of the Bible, that these were practices committed by the Egyptians and the Canaanites, and we can't imitate them. That's certainly right? what it sounds like. That makes like. sense. That's right? what it says, yeah. That's what it says. Sure. And I would like to argue and say that's not it. Really? Yes. Well, I see what it says. The Bible's open in front of me. I don't see how you would say that. So let's look at the history of Canaan. Okay. All right. And therefore, let's find out if there was anything prior to the Sinaitic revelation that we can see sexual impropriety by Canaan. Well, if we look back to Genesis, because... Let's look back to Genesis, because that's where Canaan was born. Right. It was. He was born in the book of Genesis, Scott. Right. It's true. We, we had this flood... Because God got angry at his creation. He wanted to destroy humanity. Noah found favor in God's eyes. And he lives. He has his three sons with him. Ham, Jepheth, and Shem. Comes out of the ark, finally, after the whole flood disappears. Mm -hmm. First thing that Noah does is he plants a wheat harvest. No, 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 no. He doesn't plant the wheat Not harvest. Not a wheat harvest. Olives, olives, because no. olives are found here. All of these things would have been wonderful had he planted them. It seems as though Noah did something not so appropriate. He planted a vineyard. The first thing he did was he got drunk. He got drunk. I mean, listen, you're on a boat for a whole year with your family, with animals that are stinking up your entire boat. 
I too sometimes would like to take a scotch and just drink my woes away. No, Scott, this is not the proper way to do things. On the other hand, Noah was a tzaddik, it says. He was a man who was righteous. We would hope that a righteous man would be able to figure out perhaps a better way to commemorate the end of his journey in the Ark. And by the way, just a side point, when you say a year, I'm sure some of our listeners are saying a year in the Ark? It was 40 days and 40 nights. They're forgetting that it took another 11 months for the water to go down. And if you count carefully the days from the start to the end by looking at the verses in the Bible, it looks like it was about 365 days that they're actually in the Ark. Full year. And the first thing he does is he, yeah, he plants a vineyard and puts his woes into a bottle. He gets very drunk. And then what happens, Scott? Well, it's a little bit unclear if you look at the verses. Something not good happens involving his son, Ham. About nakedness and Ham. Right. Right? And then the other two sons come in, they cover up the nakedness, and the response to that is Noah curses Ham. No. 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 Who's he cursed? He curses Ham's son, Canaan. Right. Wait, wait a second, but who did the crime? Ham did the crime, but Canaan was the one who gets the punishment. Right. The curse. The curse. To what? What was the curse? To serve the other brothers. Right. Wow. So let me understand this. All we have is uh, the canonized text in our Bible. And for some reason, Noah is cursing his grandson for what his son did to him. What did he do to him? Well, we would say, based upon Jewish tradition, two possibilities. One is he was sodomized. Or two, he was castrated. And the second idea that he was castrated would relate directly to why Canaan was cursed. Because why would Ham have castrated his father? According to Jewish tradition, he actually had a plan. He said, right now we're three sons. Every other child who is born will be another quarter or fifth or whatever it is of the world that will have to be given in inheritance to somebody else. Right now the world will be divided among the three of us. If there are four children, it will have to be divided among the four of us, and so on and so forth. Canaan was Ham's fourth son. And therefore, Noah's responding to this act, preventing him from having a fourth son, curses his grandson, who was the fourth son. Who was the fourth son of Ham. This sets up the entire scene of what's going to unfold later on in our life as Israel. Because Canaan will always be a problem on our side. What does this have to do with sexual propriety in the land of Canaan, though? Okay, but I just want to show you there was no sexual impropriety of Canaan to his grandfather. No. It right? was Ham. Okay, it was true. Ham. True. true. Oh, yeah, I accept that. You accept that. So there's no sexual impropriety that we first see with Canaan. He's getting the result of a father and son issue. That's putting it lightly. Yes. All right? What I wish to derive from this episode is that Canaan is not involved in sexual impropriety. And yet at the same time, the verse says, don't do like the actions of Canaan. Right. So in our next episode, I want to address other episodes in the Bible that deals with Canaan, and you will see there is no sexual impropriety. Interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. My name is Scott Kahn. I'm David Nekrutman, and blessings from Jerusalem. <laughs>